Oklahoma State's Allen Bowman versus West Virginia's Garrett Green should look a lot like Allen Bowman versus KU's Jason Bean. West Virginia has some talent and some healthy guys getting back. But first, can we talk about what should and could be labeled as possibly the biggest paradoxical bowl of all Big 12 coaching? You are locked on Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl-related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. You know you can find The Face on YouTube, me personally on Twitter, at Aldeo State, and even though we're having a little bit of audio issues at the moment with the Spotify and podcasting, make sure that you go there and leave a review. Today, we're partially brought to you by Prize Picks. Ladies and gentlemen, prizepicks.com slash locked on college is going to give you the opportunity right now to match up to $100 first deposit. Go there, your best daily fantasy sports made easy. All righty, y'all. So, this matchup between Mike Gundy and Neil Brown has so many layers that you can basically come up with two meanings that don't make sense together for both coaches. And what I mean is starting the season, Neil Brown's seat was pretty daggone warm. It was hot coming into their game against Oklahoma state last season. And that was kind of the emergence of what Ollie Gordon could do. Ollie Gordon kind of single-handedly took over portions of the fourth quarter, but we started throwing the ball again in the rain and it led to a loss so it left a good taste in West Virginia fans' mouth going into the offseason, or at least a decent taste. But after a 4-1 and one start and a legit viability to compete for a Big 12 title, a lot of people were like, oh, crap. Look at Neil Brown's seat getting ice-cold blue, which is why we're rocking the blue today. While my gunny started the season, I wouldn't say cool as a cucumber because obviously there was a lot of issues last season that, that were obviously a little bit unresolved, but it wasn't even warm, right? Maybe Luke, lukewarm, maybe. But then after some of the same stuff reared its ugly head from last season uh, internally, it caused the seat to get warm enough that um, he had to have a, a course correction, a little bit of a redirection. And it does appear as though that the redirection that Mike Gundy got has kind of reinvigorated him, re-inspired him to do more in the building, in the offices, on the dry erase board. The question is, right, if you're a player, is this realistic? Because this is the same Mike Gundy that showed up uh, this summer, right? Sitting in meeting rooms and all that fun jazz. Meanwhile... Neil Brown is all of a sudden back on the hot seat after one loss. But it's not just the loss, right? The emotions that are invoked by the fighting former West Virginia Danas getting the W over West Virginia, especially on a Hail Mary to, to, to Stephon Boogie Johnson with like 12 seconds left in the game. That's what has a sour taste in people's mouths. So it's crazy in this 
wild, wacky world of football that we live in, especially in this crazy conference, that there's just so many peaks and valleys and ebbs and flows. And, and one thing you got to give, you know, Gundy credit for is the ability to navigate some of these ebbs and flows. So I do think, right, you all know my opinion, it's a little too late to, you know, get reinvolved and re-dove in now, but at least it's happening. So this is a massive game for West Virginia. You could say it's also a massive game for Oklahoma State. Because if we get this W, what it does to set us up is phenomenal. Guys, Cincinnati is reeling. The poor guys just, they don't have a lot of roster left. Same with UCF. So going to the bounce house in a few weeks doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Getting Cincinnati for the America's brightest orange and best homecoming next week doesn't seem like that massive of an ordeal. So if you win this game, you should win the next one at homecoming. You should beat UCF. And BYU doesn't really look all that strong either. We get them at home at the end of the season. So you could easily be staring down the barrel of uh, of winning four games. I mean, maybe you're going to lose a game in there. And if that loss is to OU, right, in Texas, takes a, a, an L somewhere around the corner here, then we still got a shot at a Big 12 title. Now, if we win this daggone game, that's what it sets us up for. Because if we lose... We got to basically win out to get there. And that's the thing. Is the buy-in going to be enough? Is the believability going to be enough for everybody to kind of transcend the Oklahoma State program? As we talked about uh, earlier with Tom, I don't know that Alan Bowman can take the offensive side of the ball on his shoulders and, and win ball games. We're going to find out because we're going to have to find out. OU's offense by themselves are going to be able to push the envelope enough that we're going to see. Hopefully... We're stacking up a, a pretty nice win streak before we have the last bedlam. It's the last bedlam for at least the next eight to ten years, possibly even longer. It's in Stillwater, Oklahoma, inside Boone Pickens Stadium. If there's some momentum and there's no conserva Gundy, we've got a shot. We've got a real legit shot. But again, building that momentum having the, the viability of likely being a, a top 25 ranked team when that game does come down the pipeline here in a couple weeks. That's huge. And, and, and it's the same for West Virginia. I just watched a, a show, um, a West Virginia show, and they were talking about how his seat is, is currently warm. Again, Neil Brown's seat is warm because it started the season warm, and then you have the worst loss of the year, a lot of people are calling it one of the worst losses in, in a little while simply because of who they lost to and how they lost the game. But they said in the next three weeks, his seat's either going to go from warm to so blazing hot, he's probably likely staring down a barrel of not having a job. Maybe not during the season, but this is a good launching pad for West Virginia. It needs to be, at least from their perspective. Because the common consensus around Morgantown is Neil Brown's not bad, but he might not be the guy that can get us to the next level. Just like the thought was kind of permeating around Morgantown about Dana Holgerson being a good coach, but maybe not the guy that can get him to the next level. And then Dana left before they could fire him. And it's doing he does the same thing as Houston. 
has a good offense, pretty creative, has good skill players, can jump up and bite teams and beat you, but by and large doesn't have a two deep, doesn't have a defense, and doesn't have the ability to sustain an entirety of a game against better competition. And then they always drop a game they shouldn't also. So, but, anywho, speaking of dropping things, I was kind of scared that I was hammering the over, hammering the over, hammering the over, and then we barely, barely got the finger tapped to a place where we can maybe get over it. We should climb over it. But if you like betting side of the game, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'd rather focus on some of the players instead of the um, the the other players and the pros and the sharks, all you got to do with prize picks, the best daily fantasy sports platform in Northern America is pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and then watch the winnings roll in. Guys, how cool would it be? And this is amazing that Oklahoma State has, in fact, got to the level. Again, a little bit of a kudo to Mike Gundy here that we've got enough players in the NFL that if you wanted to do a swip and swap and you wanted to have some fun, maybe you wanted to put Ollie Gordon, you wanted to take the over. Maybe you wanted to go to Jalen Warren, take the over, Justice Hill, Chuba Hubbard. You could do that. Or if you wanted to go the wide receiver route, maybe you're going to take the over on, on Jaden Bray. Maybe you're going to take the over on uh, Tylen Wallace too, right? It, it gives you the ability to do that. You want to throw Tyreek into the mix? Most people would probably bet the over on Tyreek. Get in on the action. And with the reboot policy, your entries, even if your player gets hurt in the first half for NFL and top 25 college football games, that player is then rebooted. And who else does that? Nobody does it. The only daily fantasy sports platform with that kind of injury insurance. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use that code locked on college for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use the code locked on college for your first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. It's just, it's so much fun to be able to be more enticed. In, in different ways, and it's not just predicated upon any of your traditional betting methods. So pretty daggone cool. Make sure you, you jump into it. All right. So now let's talk a little bit about what West Virginia does have, which is they do have some talent. There's no denying that West Virginia does have some guys that can get you. And Garrett Green is somewhat reminiscent to Jason Bean as far as what he can do athletically primarily. But like we had already discussed, you know, they've had some guys that have been out and they still were managing to put some wins together, albeit pretty daggone close. But their big time left tackle, Wyatt Millam, is supposed to be back this weekend. And our defensive ends haven't exactly set the world on fire. So that's something to definitely watch out for. They have an All-American center. That's a great test for Colin Clay. It's a great test for, for Justin Kirkland. And even though even though they're missing probably, I don't know if you'd call him the best. Yeah, but pretty daggone, pretty daggone close to the best. Um, they're, they're linebacker. Uh, Trey Latham? Latham, I believe. He was leading them in, in sacks. And he's out for the year. Pretty devastating injury. Luckily, you know, he's still obviously very, very involved. And they've got some guys that are going to have to step up from the defensive side of the ball. You know, you, you look at somebody like a Mike Lockhart. He's a veteran dude. 
a transfer, redshirt junior. And then you've got Edward Vesterine. He's a junior. I think Jalen Thornton. He's the redshirt junior. They have a lot of faith in. Guys, mm. <laughs> Lee Koba, number one middle linebacker, is leading their team in tackles. And rightfully so. That dude is certified. He's an absolute stud. And he's somebody that you got to pay attention to no matter where he's at on the field. Right? The guy who gets the extra jersey. The guy who you got to pay a little bit more attention to. Him being um, their number one guy, not only wearing number one, but being number one in tackles, maybe this makes this matchup with Xavier Benson and or Nick Martin a little bit more intriguing. They are going to be without their starting left guard, Thomas Rimmick. So, again, if we can get Justin Kirkland and Colin Clay to where they have to institute some double teams, that's going to be for us. Their veteran safety, Aubrey Burks, he's returned practice from a limited kind of capacity. They don't know if he's going to be available or not. They're kind of tinkering, tinkering back and forth. Same with uh, Tyreek Austin Cave. He's another linebacker, junior, leadership style of guy that they just got back to, to getting healthy. And they have a lot of faith that he could very well be ready for this game. So is Garrett Green going to be doing enough? Well, we're, we're going to talk about that in a second, but they lean on C.J. Donaldson. If you shut down C.J. Donaldson from a statistical perspective, you're probably going to be doing okay. From a passing perspective, they're not all that great. Right? But, they average something like 186 yards a game on the ground. So their objective clearly is going to be to run the ball. Now, they might they might be good enough to pull a KU and, and catch a slip in some of the secondaries we, we were able to talk about a little bit yesterday. But Garrett Green is sneaky. He's number two on their team in rushing. and That's not going to change. That's something that you got to be pretty cognizant of whenever you're, you're you're going up against them. Hudson Clement, for being a registered freshman, he's very John Paul Richardson-esque, I would say. And then Devin Carter, he had some massive games, and then he had some games where he only got a, a few throws. And then recently, he was able to have another massive game. It kind of got covered up in the loss. Garrett Green statistically had a pretty good game. Also got covered up just because they had lost. Preston Fox is really, really, really fun to watch. I think they have a lot of faith and um, <clears throat> uh, Traylon Ray. They're tied in. Cole Taylor. That dude is good. The tight ends in the Big 12 are extremely, extremely impressive. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. But it's not like they're void of talent. And the fact that they're getting some main guys healthy at the moment is going to be pretty big for them. Imagine you get your starting left tackle back. You have an All-American center. Even though you're missing the right guard, the fact that you have an All-American center there should be able to cover up some of the, the capabilities. And we've been dominating the A-gap quite a bit recently. This is a game where we need to do that because if we can prevent Garrett Green from stepping up in the pocket and having open running lanes, it's going to be a recipe for success. Garrett Green, I do not think, is the same caliber of a thrower that Jason Bean is. And it's not like Jason Bean typically sets the world on fire. But clearly, you can scheme their ways around stuff, and if you give them some opportunities to take chunk plays, they're going to do it. 
I'm excited to see what our secondary does. I am so excited to see what our secondary does. And our linebackers, you know, uh, shout out to Neil Brown. He gave them a lot of kudos recently saying that he thinks this is probably the best linebacker core they faced all year, including, and he mentioned Penn State's linebacker core is pretty daggone good. But I was a little surprised with the flowers that he was throwing to the linebackers. But when it comes to stopping the run, we just showed against KU and, and, and a decent amount against K-State as well that if our defensive line is good at holding territory and you give Nicholas Martin, Xavier Benson, some time to sit through the nonsense, they can typically make plays. Or they can help stretch things. That, that, that's the biggest thing that I've noticed recently is we're not being selfish. We're having guys, you know, defensively, like they say, safety, that'll run, or a linebacker, that'll run all the way out to the numbers just to create some sort of outside contain to make the guy force back inside. And then it's opening more tackles for everybody else. That is something we didn't always see last year. And we do bring up Mason Cobb quite a bit because he's a savage. He's an animal. But athletically, he tried to do a little bit too much last year at times, which puts some of the defenders in, in kind of a bad spot. But you're not seeing that right now. You're seeing the opposite. You're seeing linebacker safeties, everybody get to, to holes, to gaps, responsibilities, to set the rest of the team up for the tackles. And then clearly tackling and practice and being more, more aggressive, substantially more aggressive over the last few weeks in practice and actually tackling and things of that nature. It's very, very prudent to continuing the success that we're having right now. It is impressive. The scripting is good. Excuse me. The fourth quarter adjustments by Brian Nardo is good. The versatility of Colin Oliver is something that people have to pay attention to. I want to see what we do with their tight end because tight ends have killed us this year. And you also know that I would prefer that we use ours more because on film, Josiah Johnson is open quite a bit. He's just obviously the fourth, fifth type of read. And when the check down to Ollie Gordon is working so masterfully, I, I get it. But this is a game where they're absolutely ridiculously unintelligent if they don't key on Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon needs to be wearing a yellow, purple, green, whatever color jersey so everybody on the defense knows who's a key on. But if you're covering up Ollie Gordon, especially when you're looking for a check down, that will open up the tight end, Josiah Johnson. It will also open up the fullback, Braden Cassidy, who we know can catch the ball because we've seen it. But we also know he can re receive handoffs in red zone because that's some of the packaging that, that we used this summer. Is this the time to pull it out? I would say so. Are we trying to save some stuff for Bedlam? Maybe. But at this point in time, it's just about stacking Ws. And this is the most difficult proposition to getting a W over the, 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 the stretch of the end of the season. It's West Virginia and OU. Those are the two big games left as far as difficulty is concerned. And I have BYU, but we have BYU at home. That helps. Going to Houston, it actually it shouldn't hurt us any at all. And it should help us from a recruiting perspective if we can get the dub. But to me, a lot of it starts here. Because if they have turmoil and we have buy-in, and the buy-in is growing, this could be a, a opportunity. 
to bottle up and capture this momentum. And then you force feed it. And if you force feed it and they like it and you keep winning, you do it again. All right. Before we skedaddle on out of here, y'all, I do have to bring up the Jace case. Jace Medical, you know the drill here. Don't get caught in precarious situations. And definitely, above all things, don't wait to the last minute. If you need something taken care of medically, just get it done. But from a medication perspective and the 24-7 emergency capabilities, you got to be looking at Jace. Ladies and gentlemen, Jace offers customized abilities for your own case. And they have dozens of add-on medications as well. So it's not like you're just going to get one thing and end up being stuck like Chuck. With the unrest all over the country, the fires that have swept across different parts of the country, hurricanes, tornadoes in Florida, earthquakes, and more, all of these things can lead to supply chain shortages, especially for medications, on top of some of the, the working environment that we have in today's society. It makes it hard to get medications, especially in a timely matter. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections around. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs as well. They offer that customization for you. It's very important that Chase is continually working to expand the medication offerings. In most recent efforts, they've added ivermectin as an option in the Jace case as well. Guys, make sure that you don't get caught flat-footed. Make sure that you don't put yourself in a precarious situation. Make sure you go there today. Jace Medical, get your Jace case started. All right, y'all. So as we, again, looked at the matchup between Jason Bean and Alan Bowman, I had said that if it got into, you know, an, an arm strength show of force showdown, that I'd probably pick Alan Bowman. And at the end of the day, we had enough big plays from big-time players and in pretty crucial moments to extend drives long enough that you could say that he did more than enough to win. He didn't outduel Jason Bean. Garrett Green is not the passer that Jason Bean is. I'm not saying Jason Bean is like miles ahead of Garrett Green, but there is a difference. And Garrett Green is not the same as Alan Bowman, I don't think. And, and I do think that this is, is worth digging up and it's worth having the conversation and or comparison because you guys know I'm not necessarily the biggest, um, the biggest Bowman guy, okay? But... 336 passing yards is nothing to scoff at. It's the most since uh, a quarterback at OSU since 2020. He was able to spread the wealth pretty good. It, it sucks. It sucks really bad not having Dijon Stribling. But it's been kind of uh, impressive, especially the scripting stuff. Now, and we know, and we now have evidence, that if Alan Bowman's given a script, that dude can get stuff done. It just is what it is. And if you look at Bowman versus Green, comparatively speaking, Alan Bowman's had 176 attempts, or 100 completions, for 56.8%. Meanwhile, Garrett Green, 106 attempts, only 56 completions at 52.8%. So Bowman was at 53.6 last week. Obviously, he got that up quite a bit, a decent amount. 
So Garrett Green is pretty comparable to what Bowman was last week. The difference is Garrett Green's been playing all daggone year. He's been the starter. Nico Markle's obviously got some PT, but it's not the same. Yards-wise, Bowman should have quite a bit more. He he has a 1,084, but Garrett Green has 935. And Garrett Green's at 8.8 yards attempt, right? So that's pretty daggone impressive. Uh, Bowman's only 6.2 yards attempt. Bowman has four touchdowns. Garrett Green already has six. Bowman has three picks. Green only has one. But coming in, KU'd only given up, you know, what one pick and one sack. We got two picks and four sacks. So we're clearly capable of forcing people to do things we want them to do. Bowman's rating is uh, 112. Green's is 143. His uh, Alan Bowman's QBR is 49.5, which is good for 92nd in America. <laughs> Uh, Garrett Green's is 72.5, good for 33rd in the country. But again, the sample size is a little bit bigger for Green, and then Green also has five rushing TDs as opposed to Allen Bowman's one. So from a numerical perspective, it's pretty pretty comparable, right? But if the scripting continues to go this well, hopefully his veteran leadership alongside the running game of Ollie Gordon, Jaden Nixon. It'll be able to shine through. This could be a dink and dunk game. If West Virginia is going to pull a KU and they're going to do a lot of uh, surprise quarters coverage stuff, then it's going to leave the underneath stuff, and it's fine for Bowman to hit it. He just needs to be a little bit more decisive, staring down or knowing where you're going to go pre-snap. we got to make sure to uh, maybe adjust some of that on the fly. But Alan Bowman can't take off like Eric Green can. Jason Bean used his legs to extend plays. He didn't use his legs all that often to take off, which was a little bit surprising. Garrett Green's going to be a little bit different. Hopefully, Garrett Green tries to pick on the secondary. Because if he does, I do think the secondary will have some stuff. Oh, his, you know what. All right, y'all. Uh, we got a pack one today. We've got an appearance with Greg Swain a little bit later on this afternoon and into the evening. And then we're going to have our main man, Justin Southwell, on this program tonight, followed by a pretty eventful Friday, big-time live show Saturday, more guests coming in on Sunday. we got a lot coming up. I appreciate your time. So. You know I love you. As always, God bless. Go Pokes. And thank you all for tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. You could be anywhere. So happy you choose to be here. Uh, make sure that you like it. If you don't like it, hit the dislike button. That's okay to not like things. Just make sure you leave in the comments what I could have done to make it better. Most importantly, subscribe, share. Sharing is caring. And while we're getting the podcast audio thing resolved on my side of the building, make sure that you go and leave a review, whether it be Spotify, Apple, or any of the other podcasting platforms. Greatly appreciate you. All right, y'all. Later, taters.